Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Demika Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And there is nothing sexier than a hot stack of banned books. Yeah. Banned just, books. Just delivered straight to your door. <laughs> Dropped off by a local library. I have such mixed feelings. <laughs> Because I feel like it always makes it sound a little more extreme than it is, you know? Like, you yeah. hear banned books and you think, I don't know, the whole U.S. has banned a book or... <laughs> like a book burning. Yeah. And and I mean, to be fair, book burnings are happening <laughs> in Texas. Thank you, Texas, <laughs> for keeping shit archaic as fuck. Well, I mean, when, when you can't support your own city with power... Because you're so poorly built, you gotta burn something to keep warm, girl. If only they were actually making it a useful fire. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Waste not, want not. You know. <laughs> <sighs> banned books. Do you do you do the like read a book for banned book week? Um, I don't think so. I wasn't aware that there's like a banned book week, but I think I like having the list out and just. Being very like conscious of just being like of past and present of like this is a book now that used to be banned is now a classic because how many books did we grow up with are like this book used to be banned yeah sometimes I felt like they just said that to try to make us read it oh yeah it was definitely like reverse psychology but banned book week and we're like totally on the off calendar to do this banned book week is typically in September so I just mm. looked it up it's this year it's September eighteenth through twenty fourth. Ooh, should we read a banned book for September? I mean, I I usually try to read a a banned book for banned book week. Oh, I'm down. I'm totally down. These days, it's just like anything that's about gayness is yeah. banned. Like gay character banned, gay in the title banned. Like, mm-hmm. give me a break. <laughs> Happiness refers too much to gay. Banned. Yeah. yeah. It, it, well, there was a couple that were talked about. Rainbow like- banned. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Actually, that's a very unpleasant sound in a microphone that just came out my mouth. <laughs> but it's it's gotten to be that ridiculous. There is there's actually a, co- a comic series that my daughter has that's on like that's on the band list. And uh, is it the new kid? Yeah, and I'm just you know they have a, the series, and I'm like I didn't, but she, come on, yeah. I heard a great interview with that author really? and he he talked about like how just like totally perplexed he was when he found out that it was being banned. And it was because he showed up. He's done all these different Zoom interviews with kids, schools during the pandemic. And he like showed up to one for some something in Texas and like a parent was all like CRT. <laughs> he was like, wait, what? What's CRT? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So if it has anything to do with critical race theory, anything uh, against the police, because there was one mm-hmm. graphic novel that actually showed someone having a traumatic instances with the police and anything with anything out gender dot anything to do with gender dot. Yeah, which is a great segue mm. talking gender. Yeah. So happy International Women's Day, Jamaica. Happy International Women's Day, girl. <laughs> yes. it's, it's good to be an international woman. I don't know. <laughs> you are. You're such I an think. international woman. Yeah, so are you. Ah, we're yeah. just a couple international women here. <laughs> Talking in our closets. 
It is. It, you know what? It, it's one of those things where it's just an excuse. Like I'm a big, big fan of taking any excuse that we can to uplift and show some love and support for women. So today we're kind of breaking our little format normally and we're doing like a little show and tell today. Yes, we thought what a great time to highlight some women, some unicorn women and talk about them and and their impacts on the world and what we admire about them. And there are so many ways that we could go with this idea. So I'm really, really looking forward to hearing who you're bringing to the table, who you're lifting up on that pedestal today, Tamika. I know it was hard. It was really hard. I had a massive, massive list and you're probably going to it was challenging for me because I'm like, do I choose someone specifically mixed? Do I do personal? Like, what do I want to do? And there's a woman I have been following on the social media that has been challenging me in my mm-hmm. way of thinking. And I think anytime you can be challenged going into the show for the third year, I've really been wanting to make sure that I'm not just, I'm being motivated by love and joy in this work, but also making sure I continue to work on my own biases. Mm-hmm. And this woman, Akia Brown, she is a screenwriter, a journalist, an author. She is a Black disabled queer woman. <laughs> and she actually started the hashtag five years ago of disabled and cute. And that's where I, I kind of started following her in, in her journey. And this woman, when she speaks and in, in her books, is just a catalyst for joy and has really pushed me and called me out on how I view and even my verbiage for addressing people who are disabled, saying the word unapologetically and challenging me to call me out on how I view the disabled community. So yeah, she is uh, relatively new. So it's not like a lie. She grew up in a humble town. But what I what I will say is that this young this young woman, she in her store, she has cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And so she walks with a physical limp and she has a, an, an arm deformity as well. That is very visible. Mm. And what I appreciate about her is that she unapologetically talks about her physical disability and people who don't have physical disabilities. And what does that look like towards inclusion? But what I, in an interview I was watching about her talking about her life growing up, is that she actually didn't know she was disabled until she was about 12. Mm. And she is when she started to become bullied because her community and her family did not treat her like she was disabled. Mm. She talked about how her, her family bought her a bike in skates. She goes, I don't ride a bike. I can't ride a bike. I can't ride <laughs> And I thought that was not just, just for like the rite of passage of getting a bike or getting yes. skates. Yes. And so she wasn't aware that she was disabled until she, till someone made a comment about the way she was walking. And she said for the first time when she was like walking to the restroom after that, she saw it. She she saw it because she never noticed it before. And she talked about how she had many years of hating herself and trying to thicken her own skin towards those who would mock her 
and talked about how many years she spent struggling with that and what did that look like for her in her life of seeing women. And she it was so sweet in this interview. She brought up seeing uh, the Cinderella with Brandy. And I know we've talked about that before <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of seeing herself been like, you know, do I dare to dream? Like I'm I'm a dreamer and, and having someone love me and where do I fit in this world and into glamour. And it was just so honest and so raw hearing her talk about it and hearing her in college coming into her own talking about being inspired to go and doing the thing right and then being rejected like trying to find a job after college like so many of us you know <laughs> but continuing not to give up that hope and making a way for her and becoming a writer and getting pieces uh, published but it was starting this hashtag which I am a millennial, but I'm an elder millennial. And I am. Is she I wear, a millennial too? She's 30. So she's, you know, she's right at, she's one of those early ones, right? So talks about the power of a hashtag. Because sometimes I can be a little jaded by the hashtag, right? But this is one of those instances where it is a catalyst. Because this skyrocketed yeah. her, this skyrocketed her visibility. And she just saying, giving the opportunity for people who are disabled to have someone to make space for them to shine and to show that they deserve a place. And I think on the heels of Black History Month just ending, we often don't show disabled people of color mm. in history either. And I think coming into Women's Day of desiring for us to make sure when we look at the table, it's a full representation of all women. And I do think that includes disabled women as well. And I have a brother who is autistic. And I have uh, family members in my family who are disabled. And that was actually where I started advocacy work first before doing things for social justice and feeling really protective and feeling very, very strongly for inclusion. But I think as I got older, realizing I think I had a savior complex of I have to stick up for them. I have mm. to do this. They need protecting. They need the rights. Instead of me saying, actually, no, what they need is space. What they need is a voice and what they need to be is uplifted. And I struggled even saying the word disabled because I thought, oh, because it's harmful. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, of course, every person's going to be different. But Kia Brown said for her, she like, called me disabled because the skirting around it makes it seem like it's something ugly and wrong and heinous. And I had to call my own self out and I've had to do a lot of the work and thinking about I don't think I'm ableist, but I think it was borderline on that is sad and we need to help and you know we need to make it better and easier for them it's like actually no they need to they need you to shut up and give them the space and make a way and room at the table that is so any woman who can get you to take a harder look at yourself to do the work is someone that i want to uplift she's done a ted talk she has a book called The Pretty One that came out. I believe I actually have my copy on hold at the library. It came out a few years ago. So I believe you might be able to go find the library at your local bookstore. And I believe this summer she'll have a kids picture book called Sam's Super Seats. And it's about a disabled girl with cerebral palsy who's going to be doing back to school shopping and what that looks like. So I'm... I'm really, really excited for her. And there are a few other influencers as well that are kind of coming alongside that. But yeah, I think this is something I 
I know I'm working on and I want to encourage other unicorns to do as we continue to make this beautiful herd of unicorn that we make sure we we include everybody. And that makes mm. that means accessibility. That means reaching out. That means educating ourselves about how what verbiage to use. Very similar to race. These things are all important. You're going to have to start with you first. You're going to make sure to give people who are experts in this the mic, as it were, to speak upon it. And yeah, I, I really love what she is doing. But I want to um, also give, you're going to be so mad at me. I have to give an honorable mention to another woman. Don't be mad. <laughs> I know you're going to be so <gasps> mad at me. <laughs> I'll be short. I know. I had. To, there were just too many women. Too many women's, okay? All I'm right. going to give honorable mention to Amber Ruffin. Or Ruffin. Yes, I believe that's how you say it. She's a TV host, writer, actress, author, playwright. I'm, I'm pretty sure people have seen her in her own kind of late night show. I think it's, I think it's a peacock. Do people have that? You know? Yeah, but you can see her all over social media and TikTok and Instagram. She, this is what's crazy about women. I think sometimes we tend to think about women's history, women's day, like we go back to suffrage, right? We're all wearing big hats. Yeah. With the sashes, right? <laughs> with the puppy sleeves. But it's like there are women today who are still the first and uh, breaking ground. And she is a uh, black woman who was the first late night writer for a comedic show in 2014 <laughs> for the Seth, the late night with Seth Meyer show in America. That is crazy that that would happen mm -hmm. in 2014. This is someone who uh, I we talk about representation and something that I really love, and that is comedy, but also delivering the news. And she's very much a forefront, and I appreciate her and what she does. I really, really want to read her book uh, that she co-wrote with her sister. Called I think Will. I brought it up as a happy place once. Oh, did you ever? You'll never believe what happened to Lacey Crazy. To Lacey. Yeah, yeah, that was my, a happy place of mine. Mm. So if it's Danny recommended, you know you need to you need to read it. But I think, yeah, as someone as someone who has studied improv and seeing someone else being able to do that, um, she she's like us, same age, millennial, actually slightly older, actually. And, I think she's uh, only like a year or two. She's mm -hmm. like pretty much our age. So I think seeing that. It just makes me really, really hopeful. And I love that's what that's what we want. And I love what she's doing. So there we go. Honorable mention. I had a thing. I'm not going to do the whole thing. But yeah, those are those are my women. Go follow them on all the social medias. We're probably going to tag so much information in our show notes this time around. But yep, that's my my women. Nice. Nice. Influencer world is so weird to me. <laughs> now that I've been like weaning myself off social media more and more, I'm like feel even less in the loop. <laughs> it's it is difficult. It's what's on the forefront of so many things now. I have yeah. a friend of mine who's doing auditions. He's incredibly oh, you know, Jante, he was on the show talking about doing auditions and going there and now they ask for your TikTok and they ask for your Instagram and it's like what does that have to do with my dance degree yeah. in my resume? Well, because, you know, entertainers are becoming more and more of like a commodity, right? Like, yeah. it's about those numbers. How many followers you got? Um, it's great. I, I would never think at going into an audition, how many followers do you have? Yeah. I would, I'd be doomed. Like, I am doomed. I'm a short black female who's who's rotund. I was never going to stand a chance. But now to have followership, too, that's a lot. 
It's a lot. It's a lot. But I'm excited. Who are you bringing the show and tell today? Yeah. So I kind of, I'm also going with someone younger than us. She's not even 30 and who kind of rose to something of fame by going viral. But I'm kind of, it's a different approach. So I would like to share today, and this might get me a little bit of pushback. Mm. Because, so we we call ourselves biracial unicorns, but I kind of like encompass that in ethnicity too. Just I because just race, race is a social construct. So why not include the social construct that is ethnicity? Mm-hmm. And I really feel for people of Middle Eastern descent because according to the census, they should be Caucasian. But the treatment in society, like they're not treated like white people. So I find that like a particularly complicated background that we haven't talked a lot about. So today I would like to share she is of mixed Iranian and Canadian descent. Mm. Um, Her name is Avesta Rastan and she her claim to fame is she created an infographic about COVID-19's impact on the body that she released via Twitter in April of 2020, and it went viral. And it has now been translated into 18 different languages. It's been published in Discover Magazine. It was shared by the World Economic Forum. She said one of her biggest things was like medical providers were showing it to COVID patients in the hospital. So it's this huge impact. She was 25 when she created this. Just created it in her spare time. She is a medical illustrator. And uh, so I kind of did a deep dive into that world a bit to kind of understand her a little more. So I didn't realize, but I guess if I thought about it, most medical illustrators actually hold master's degrees at least. So she has a master's of science in biomedical communications. And I love, love, love her story because I feel like it is so relatable for for unicorns everywhere. Because not only does she have this mixed heritage. Her path to medical illustration was very much rooted in this idea that she loved science, but she loved art. And these are like two worlds that are often seen like butting heads, right? But she was fortunate in a sense that both of her parents kind of both encompassed that love as well. Like her father is a physicist who was like a DJ on the side, a musician. And her mother worked in environmental science, but also did visual art on the side. So she kind of had that influence in her life. And so her bachelor's degree was in science. She started it in science and then was like, I actually don't feel the same passion in these classes. Like, I still love science. I have this innate curiosity and I want to learn about the world. But like, I don't I don't like the way it's being taught necessarily. Mm. And so she thought to combine her visual art. She had done like pre-professional art practice courses as a high schooler, combine those into this world. And I guess there's only a handful of institutions that offer a master's degree in this work. So what I love is she created this viral 
infographic. And then she kind of like transitioned her her work, you know, after being viewed two million times on Twitter, it gave her a little bit of freedom. And she transitioned from like the corporate world to doing kind of freelance work. Mm -hmm. um, And then also running her own passion project on the side on Instagram called Lumi Sci, which short for Illuminate Science. And so she creates different infographics to communicate about complex scientific things with imagery. And so I love she she often centers in that work matters of race and people of color, which I think is really important. I also read an article she wrote that was all about why diversity matters in science. Mm. And so I like that she's using her her platform to talk about that. And here's a quote from, from that article. And she said, we have to acknowledge that modern science was founded by white male colonialists. Now, I don't say this to make you feel bad about the roots of science or your place in it, but rather to face the facts and learn from history so we don't repeat its mistakes, mm. uh, which I think as a medical illustrator is really important. We've touched on the history of of that field a little bit on the show, but it is essentially was years and years of normalizing the white male able body as the norm, as the like standard to compare everything else to. And it wasn't even until the 18th century where white male physicians realized that they could make (laughs) some money by becoming midwives and helping rich white women give birth that they started like doing that work and illustrating that work as well. So I love that she's out there doing the work. I think there was also a viral image that was making its rounds last fall, last year. I don't know if you remember this, D'Amika, but it was like a black body with a black fetus. Mm. He's male, but he was an illustrator from Nigeria. That was making these rounds. Because it's just so different than like all of us who took high school biology, what our textbooks looked like. No, um, I mean, so, or like for me, like going to actually OBGYN appointments, like yeah. you don't see it. Yeah. Avesta doesn't work necessarily in that sort of field. Like she does a lot of more like microbiology stuff. I think it's really interesting. And I kind of like have found some other medical illustrators who are registered with the Association of Medical Illustrators who are pushing the envelope and hoping for more diversity because it is still predominantly 74% white, the field. So so there's still work to be done. But a, a couple, a few others to follow. Nika Ford, Hillary Wilson, Caitlin Chong, SJ Okemo, who are all doing the work. I only found about three indigenous <laughs> medical illustrators. So it's it's pretty, pretty incredible. Not in a good way. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But I didn't realize like until I stopped to think about it, how important representation is in that world. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard a talk between those last four that I, I just shared and they were talking about how it was like just like a tissue illustration but it showed like an arm and a chest and a person who is really centering this idea of you know pushing back on implicit bias and the status quo made the decision to include like top surgery scars on that chest like 
doesn't impact anything except it shows a more inclusive view of what could be considered quote unquote normal. Wow. Oh, that is so interesting. Yeah, you're right. Just something as simple as that to start making it normal to the eye just so it doesn't it just is. Yeah. You know, that makes such a big difference. I know the photo you're talking about, about the, the black woman with the black fetus, because it went around because it, it caught me off guard. And you realize of how exclusive and like you said, even today, that the black and brown bodies, the non-binary bodies are still visually something that catches us off guard because they yeah. have not been normalized. That There is a doctor who is black and he talks about the importance of even just those in the medical field growing up, being able to see what tumors and moles and bruises and rashes look on darker skin because it could save a life. And what these artists are doing are life changing, you know, even from its microbiology or physical metal or maternity, this could possibly save lives because you just don't simply know what to look for if you're unfamiliar with melanin or if you're unfamiliar with different procedures and how they look on the body. Yeah, that is mind blowing. Yeah. And just in case anyone is like really intrigued by by this topic, if you want to do more of a deep dive, I did find the first Black woman to graduate from John Hopkins with a focus on medical illustration uh, for her master's degree. Her name was Anna Russell Jones. She was born in 1902. So people have been inching their way into this world for a while now. Oh, I love I love that. And that just shows like how important it is women doing that work. And we're, you know, we, we mentioned women who are fairly young, who are young, but we can't forget that we're on the shoulders of so many women who have come before us. And I think that's, that's what it is today. You know, I made a joke of like, it's, it's not about pussycats. It's not, it's, it, this is, this is not that day. This is not that day. Today is about, I think, recognizing so much of how far we still have to go, but also how far we've come. And I'm incredibly humbled and thankful for the many ways that women are impacting our mental health, our physical health, our well being, political, our pay, our bodies, our jobs, our ability to live freely and, and to love. There's so many facets. And that's why this show and tell was so much fun, but it was also, beautifully overwhelming of seeing the immense work that women have done throughout history and are still doing. All that uncredited work, you know, and and that's not uncredited historical work. That's also uncredited current work, right? Mm -hmm. Talk a lot about women's unpaid labor, right? And I think that it's important to, to recognize that and to value that. I say that, but like, my husband does most of the women's work in my house. <laughs> but and, I yeah. recognize that unpaid labor every chance I get. I always thank him for every single thing he does. And it's not because he's a man, but it's because that work is important. Mm-hmm. And, and that's partnership, isn't it? Like, and that's what we're going towards. And like that's what you you recognize in your home. But I think making that that global idea of what is women's work and we're changing that and we're hopefully breaking that down and mm, we we still have such a long way to go but I, I think for me who tends to be a bit pessimistic it was nice going and just seeing you know we talk about this in the realm of race of like I, you and I are a woman's dream like what we're doing what we get to say oh I mean Danny you're going for your doctorate like You are your ancestor's dream. And it sounds so corny and so cheesy, but so many women 
work so hard, like unrecognized, underpaid, underappreciated. So that way you can do what you are doing now. And I know you've inspired so many women. I mean, you've inspired me to go back to school. And, you know, I'm so thankful for the women in, in our lives. And even doing this you know, assignment, I was really taken aback of I need to ask the women in my life more about them. Because we Mm want to talk about you don't need to have a Wikipedia page. You don't have to have made this amazing infogram. You don't have to have written a book or host a show to be a woman who does amazing things. Honestly, a woman living in this climate now in the world surviving to the next day should be celebrated. The tragedies that have been falling women of late within the news and the violence against them. I hope that we can take that time to celebrate just the women in your life and ask them about their life and their experience. And I think that's something I need to do a little bit more because I'm so inspired by my friends, by my sisterhood, by, you know, those I used to work with or go to school with. And I should A, tell them and B, if given the opportunity, ask about their experience because they are history in the making. They just don't even know it yet. I think it's interesting that we both chose to highlight Amber Riffin aside, like highlight (laughs) women who are not necessarily household names, but have a fairly substantial following and have had like big impact. But I think For a woman to be important, there doesn't need to be this global impact. I think, as you're saying, Damika, we all touch and influence so many lives in ways that we just don't even know. And so I would say the flip side of what you're you're saying is to ask women about who they are. I think it's also important to tell women what they mean to you. Mm. And I think that that's an important part of International Women's Day, too, is recognizing it from both ends, like what we see as our impact in the world, but also being able to receive from each other the impact that we have within our communities. Mm, and that right there, that's counterculture, right? Mm-hmm. That is because I we say the word like lift each other up a lot. You know, we say a lot on the show and I think culture, like we have to lift each other up. But I think vocalizing appreciation, vocalizing impact, vocalizing importance and influence is such a big deal because we've talked about in episodes before in feminism, in sisterhood, that we have been bred due to white supremacy to be competitive towards one yeah. another. And the, this this is part of that disabling it. This is part of it of when we seek out the stories of other women, but when we also tell them of their influence and their importance, that's the lifting up. That yeah. I th- When we say that, I think if we're trying to get a little bit more specific, when we say something like lift them up, this is what we're talking about. And yeah. That's t- that takes work. Yeah. I think both of it, like both sides, you know, like mm-hmm. the Lifting someone up to other people is important and great, but also just like telling people what they mean is mm. also really like it can it could be a huge difference to someone and it could inspire them to keep going. We talk about on the show like why we love to hear from you all about what impacts the show has on you or what things you want us to talk about and you know, we'll be on the verge of being like, who even listens to this thing? And then we get like an incredibly moving email that just like fuels the fire and keeps us going. So I think the same is true for everyone. Mm, that is very true. We I can't tell you how many times we that has that exact situation has happened where we've really got to need that pick me up and it just it just pops in and we're like, okay, we can continue to do the work because doing the work, the un- the underpaid or not paid work, the unappreciated work, the challenging work <laughs> is 
it's exhausting. And women out there, we 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 see you, women and non-binary people, we we see you doing that work day in and day out. And you can keep going or you can rest. And both things are valid and you're important and you matter. And your story is still in the process of happening. You know, I think there's also a lot of pressure to be all things, you know, women. We need to be all things to all people all the time. And I think when you start developing a community, and we talk about that with sisterhood, you're allowed to be vulnerable. You're allowed to be sick. You're allowed to be weak. You're allowed to be frustrated and over it and knowing that you're still going to be okay, that you are indeed enough. And I think that comes from, you said, both of those telling them what you mean to them. And if they're that is very filling. It does kind of fill your cup per se, that it's just not all for naught, you know? <laughs> yeah. It does feel that way sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a journey though. Like mm-hmm. that level of vulnerability is not easy for a lot of people. Girl. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned it when we were listening to um, Michelle Obama talk about mm. her and her friendship, how she went out and she sought out friendship and kinship and having that relating yeah. to finding other black women. That is vulnerable. I think about that a lot. How much strength that took but also how much vulnerability there is in that and i think women's day i think like i said we have this image of like signs and picketing and it's very strong and it's really aggressive but i think what's also very powerful is the showing of that vulnerability especially towards one another of like i actually really need you yeah and that's what's crazy of when we were looking at the, these people of like, we actually, we need you. We need you to illustrate medical. <laughs> like we, we need you to teach us how to talk about disability. Like I need you. Like, like I'm so appreciative to the women that are in my life because I need you. And I think that's a very hard thing to say when we can feel like the work for women, there's so much of it. But I think taking that pause of saying, I need you. And I think that's why we need to be a little bit more inclusive within it. Because to say that any feminist movement, any international workday is without flaws, right? (laughs) Like we, we still have issues among women dealing with transphobia and ableism and racism. Like we have to call that out because we so desperately need one another. We need to be so ultimately for one another, Mm. but we have to call it out, you know? Yeah. I love that message because I think to be critical is seen as to be like negative right? Mm -hmm. Or to be bad or to like not like someone. I think women suffer from this more than men. If we criticize something that they don't like it, you know, but you can have criticism for one another. That's fine. And there are ways to deliver it in an empathetic, nice manner. I'm perhaps not always good at that, but I think it's okay to have criticism. And I think coming from the world of education, right? Like you have to have criticism in order to help people on their journeys to grow indefinitely within the classroom, right? Like you have critiques and that's how you expand your horizons and you refine techniques and you and you grow as a human. So the same is true in all walks of life. You can be for someone and still have critiques. And mm. I I heard this this lovely interview. I can't remember her name. She's a Chicana filmmaker, but she was talking about all the like recent Latinx stuff that's out in the zeitgeist and she was talking about like I I am for it and even if it's mediocre like I'm out there hyping it and 
yes, within ourselves, like we can turn to each other and say, you know, like this missed the mark in this way, mm. like whatever. But like our solid unified front is we are here for it and we are hyping it. And I feel like women need to be that way too. Like we're here for each other. We're hyping each other. But that doesn't mean that you can't have that personal moment where you are being a little more critical, offering more criticism and and helping each other grow. Mm, ooh, like chef kiss. Like, ooh, that was so good. I think that's right. Like in-house, it's like in the family, right? We're like when mm-hmm. we're here among us, let's out of absolute love. When you love something and you're seeing something that could be better or something that's glaring, why would you not call that to attention? Like like I said, I'm very, very much motivated seeing things through the lens of love. And I think once again, we think love is just letting something be and not rocking the boat and being it's fine as it is. And I'm like, that is a very placid love. That is a one-dimensional love. That's a love that will never grow. And I do not want that. I don't want that for other women. I don't want that for the movement. And you're right. I'm for it. I support it because I know the story behind it, because I know we have work to do. Like, I love you not because you meet my expectations of perfection or we have it together. I love you in spite of that. And I love that I get to work alongside you with that. I love that I'm a part of that work as well. And oh, that was really, that was good. That was so good. Yeah. Any other final thoughts on International Women's Day? No, I think I, I'm really, really inspired by what you said and just making sure that we 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 tell a girl what's up. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you mean a, a, a lot to me. This is how you've inspired me and I and I see you. I think we once again something what's hard about our language now is that it explodes so quickly, it catches on really quickly, it burns really bright, and then it mm-hmm. fades off and it loses its meaning. Right. Right. And I think one of the things like I see you. So I see you has become a very like thrown away like, girl, I see you. I see you. And it was burning and it was really relevant and prominent. And that's kind of died off. But I think it's one of the things of taking it back been like, I see you. And that means I see the struggle and I see the exhaustion, but I see your influence and I see your potential. And I see that the work that you're doing on yourself and for others then I acknowledge that. And so I feel like that's my wrap up. I want to claim back, I see you mm-hmm. and and being very purposeful and making sure the women in my life know that. Yeah, that's great. Hey, what um, about you, I, boo? I think about <laughs> that reminded me about like just you see like women comment on other women's social media and they're all like, you're so hot. I'm like, yeah. kill your husband and marry you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could only hope to have that kind of devotion, honestly. <laughs> Um, I love it. But but I agree. It can feel like a little bit like, oh, it's burning so bright and then it's gone. So maybe there is a way to explore like a more sustained support. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I think there's so much we can do in this world to be connected and to help each other. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I think first things first, vulnerability. And I think, Mm. honestly, that could be the homework assignment for the year. So, vulnerability. (laughs) Well, shall we get happy, D'Amika? Let's do it. let's, Let's get happy. is making you happy this week? Well, because like I said, we record things earlier. The timeline on this is wonky. 
And so it's not time specific, but I did something this morning that made me really happy. Mm. And that is I bought tickets to go home. Yay! (laughs) I'm going to go home, which will be my first time in being home in Albuquerque in five years. Wow. what's, What's the first meal? Off the plane. Girl, you know I'm going to go get tortillas from, like, <laughs> Golden Pride or something like that. I just, like, just, like, a pack of tortillas and just sit there and, like, sop up my tears and with one of them and, like, eat with the other one. Like, or go to Frontier and just get, like, a stack of their finest tortillas. Just do something like that. I think that's just that. I think that emotionally that's probably all I'm going to be able to handle. So what was your, like, when you, what was always your first meal when you would come back home? I mean, I just wanted my mom's beans. That's mm. what I wanted. But no one makes it like mama. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I think that's that that's a big that's a big win for me. So I'm excited. My daughter was so young last time she came there. She has like a few scant memories, but they're very, you know, they're very faded. So it'll be nice. And my husband hasn't been back for six years since he didn't go with me the last time that I went. So it'll be so nice for us to go together and see our friends and see our family. So we're going to keep it really, really chill, really relaxed, not do the most. But yep. Girl, pack that lotion. I'm sure you forgot how actually dry it is here. I was like legitimately, I was doing like a speed walk yesterday and I thought, I am not in Albuquerque shape. I'm going to suffocate. I have been at sea level and a like below in, you know, so long since 2015. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to die. Like, I can't breathe. My skin is flaking <laughs> off. My eyeballs feel like they're melting out of my face. What is this high desert bullshit? I know. I'm going to have put my hair in braids or else my hair is going to be like, no. It'll just fall out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, they're just, or maybe my body will acclimate. Maybe it hasn't been too long to where it's just like, like it'll just breathe in the dry air, not this velvet air that we've got going on not the soup air that you're trying to breathe all the time so maybe maybe i'll go there and be all like oh dang like i'll maybe i'll acclimate back to factory settings yeah you're like we'll see Demika. we'll see (laughs) no i'm here for the drama (laughs) just be mad the whole time well girl that's why i can't come in the summer i do know this about me i am out of summer shape like, well, now with global warming, who knows? It might be summer when you come. <laughs> and the worst part is, like, spring is such a crapshoot in the oh, desert. Spring is the worst season in Albuquerque. Hands I never, down. It's, for someone who got married in the spring, that was such a dumb idea. Like, honestly, because you just never, I was at an outdoor wedding, but people who would give me, like, invites and it'd be a spring wedding in Albuquerque, I'm like, so why? Why? You could literally have snow or it could be, you know, melting the streets hot. You just, you like, you like playing with danger? You're well, the constant that? is the wind. The oh. wind will definitely make an appearance. It's awful. Oh. But I'm excited. But I can't. I just knew that if I wanted to go home, I couldn't do summer. I just, it's been too, been way too long. But yep. So that is my happy place. What about you, boo? What is your happy place? You know, this is a little old school in terms it's... of happy places. but. Okay. Always got to bring it around. My happy place is listening to true ghost stories at night in my house by myself and freaking myself out. (laughs) I don't imagine you ever being freaked out. I mean, I guess that's a bit strong for what the reaction actually is. But... 
Yeah, I just imagine maybe like maybe a little skin prickle, but I don't imagine it being part of like the Danny aesthetic being legitimately freaked yeah, out. Yeah, it's mostly just like, okay, well, I have two dark, three dark rooms to move through to get to my bedroom, <laughs> so I'll just move a little quicker than I normally would. And you know, honestly, if your life was a movie, there's like a whole roll of black people throwing popcorn at you, been like, girl, you better get some of that bomb lights. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, and, and part of the issue is my husband farmer that he is usually goes to bed before me right so like i do this whole like traverse the bedroom in the dark don't turn on any lights like (laughs) that's great yeah (laughs) that is so sweet but i think you should be like a pro by it by now i should be but (laughs) yeah yeah so good ghost stories that can freak you out. It's always like a crapshoot to listen to podcast ghost stories because some are just so bad and some are pretty decent. So that's part of the charm, I guess. Do you prefer singular voice telling the whole thing or do you like it when it's like multiple actors? No, no, I don't dramatize that shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't like like the dramatization. I just want someone telling a story. I don't want creepy music. I don't want dramatization. I just want the story. Thank you. Yeah, she doesn't need. So Danny does not need. I need every bell and whistles. I need you to get me in the mood. I need. I need to. But Danny does not need the razzle dazzle. Skip the foreplay. Get straight to the ghosts. Y'all heard it here first, everybody. (laughs) I can do my own. I can turn everything off. Sit down in silence. Freak myself out first and then listen to a ghost story. See, that's a control thing. You're like, no one can do it. No one can freak me out more than <laughs> <But> me. <laughs> exactly. You know what? Yes. <laughs> Can't do not doing it right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Love like, it. I per- ah, perfect. This is a very Danny, Danny happy place. <laughs> Absolutely. We all have to save some of your best ones and we can just sit there in quiet and just listen to ghost stories. I when love I get it. There. I'm all about it. Ugh. Listeners, if you have good ghost story yeah. podcasts that fit my criteria, please send my way. Yeah, please, please. And then she'll filter them and then they'll, she'll send them to me. <laughs> Only the best for my boo. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, I guess I guess that's all. We ran a little shorter this week. <laughs> or normal. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Daddy's like a little comment like, uh, anything under, I was like, well, we were short. I'm like, girl, no, that's normal. We always run long. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap this up. We don't just want to hear ghost stories from you all. We want to hear other women that we should hype. Like maybe we can, I, as I said, I've been weaning myself from social media, but maybe this month we can, in honor of Women's Month, we can hype some some women on our Instagram But I would love to hype people who our listeners are all about. So send them our way. You can reach us uh, via email by racialunicorns at gmail.com. You can find us on social media directly, Instagram and Facebook at biracialunicorns and Twitter at biracialmagic. Speaking of hyping up the ladies, we want to thank so much to Dolly Pop Art, who's on our very iconic unicorn photo. Please go blow her up. We appreciate you so much. I, I love whenever I tell people about the podcast and they'll look it up in front of me and they'll see the art and they'll go, that is cool. And I go, I know, right? So thank you, Dolly Pop Art. You've really helped us create a, a brand. We really appreciate that. So Smith Photography, 
She is actually creating merchandise like prints and postcards. Go get her stuff. No one has captured the Midwest and the European vibe more than her. I really appreciate her. She was able to capture some of the rare photos of Danny and I in person, which I think is so important in her art. She is an amazing eye. We thank her so much. We lift her up and we appreciate that. We want to thank Joseph Scott, not a lady. What a good friend. We appreciate you. But thank you for doing our intro and outro music. Please go follow them all on Instagram. And while you're on the social media, because you know it's a time suck anyway, why don't you go ahead and give us a rate? That helps us so much to just get through that algorithm machine and be able to get this information, this material into the ears of other unicorns and co-conspirators who want to come along, create community, and to do the work beside us. That rating all just helps boost and gives us support. And speaking of support, if you want to throw a couple of tuppence in the hat, that just helps keeps the light on here. We're not here to get rich. <laughs> we do not get paid. We do everything ourselves here. So if you want to buy us a cup of coffee, all the information is down into our show notes. And yeah, we want to hear your stories. Other women, I want to hear, your, I still want to hear love stories. I want to hear what you think about home and who we should be hyping up. We're always here to listen. We really, really appreciate that. Or also, I'm throwing this in. If there's a another podcast that you want us to link up with you should like tag us both and say hey you guys should like me and chat and hang out like play some matchmaker yeah 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 totally i'm up for it i'm too old to swipe so you guys the you know do the y'all do the work (laughs) yeah but but you know me everyone Mm -hmm. out there so (laughs) think about it think about it think about it no thrills my level of of sass isn't for everyone She's just my taste, so let that <laughs> a be a little dry. A little dry for some folks. That's okay. <laughs> it's that deserty goodness right there. <laughs> Can't help it. It's in the air. All right, y'all. Thank you. We look forward to hearing from you. And happy International Women's Day to the ladies and non-binary sibs out there. To the ladies and non-binary. we'll be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode Mm -hmm. all right peace out